This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Um, How about that for a thing? This week on Dueling Review, we take a look at Atomic Robo and the Temple of Odd Number 1. Written by Brian Clevenger, art by Scott Wagner. The year is 1938, and a viral weapon is being developed that will rival even Tesla's lightning weapon designs. Cue Atomic Robo. Jack Tarot, secret government agencies, moon men, magical Arctic Circle elves, jet-lagged aliens, elderly rights activists, youngling laborers, and a manifestation of human hope to help save the day. It's a new artist. No, always Scott Wagner. Mm. Always Scott Wagner. Because he is the man. Mm. And I think... um, uh, I think they may have a new colorist because I thought they had a female colorist um, before, and this is Anthony Anthony Clark doing the uh, the colors on this. But still, um, it may look different because the last time you read Atomic Robo was uh, well, I, I'm pretty sure we talked about it on this on this show. But I want to say that the last time you may have read Atomic Robo may have been. Volume five, the deadly art of science, uh, that um, that featured the first appearance of Jack Tarot, mm-hmm. which is kind of important because in this issue, Atomic Robo is reunited with uh, semi love interest Helen McAllister, mm-hmm. who also appeared in that series as spoiler alert Jack Tarot's daughter. <gasps> no, yeah, that make her Helen Tarot McAllister. No, um. So what is what's Robo up to? Give me give me the lowdown there, Matthew. The bird's eye lowdown on this caper, whatever yeah, that means. I think that's a frog well, view. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> As we open, uh, he's in Manchuria yeah. in the 1930s. Yeah. Uh, escaping from Manchurian tanks, which is actually a really lovely sequence. Yeah, it is. And he ends up being sent on a mission. To and uh, if I'm understanding this via flashback, right? There's some weird science in play, and that doesn't necessarily mean that there's you know going to be a naked woman flying out of the chimney. Yeah, there you go, Chet. Yeah, Chet. Something weird is going on, <laughs> and he basically ends up in uh, the movie Casablanca in a way. A little bit because uh, so yeah, he basically there is a kidnapped uh, Chinese scientist who mm-hmm. is uh, tapping into zero point energy, which is basically unlimited energy, but it's also Many speculate what Tesla was working on, who, of course, Tesla in this uh, universe created Atomic Robo. But right. uh, the kind of stuff that can uh, shake the world apart. So he goes to China, to Shanghai, to mm-hmm. try and find this uh, lost scientist and get him out of the uh, Japanese uh, control. And you're right. Uh, this is part Casablanca because the mm-hmm. place where he has to go to is the um, uh, the Anything Goes bar. Which is also right. kind of funny because uh, one of the contacts that he meets to know where to go is a little shoeshine boy wearing a New York Yankees cap 
which reminds me a lot of Short Round. And, of course, if that reminds you of Short Round, then the Anything Goes bar should remind you of a lot of Indiana Jones and the uh, Temple of uh, Doom. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, some nice uh, little touches there. I was kind of hoping to see a young Dr. Jones uh, doing something in that uh, (laughs) because that would have been cool. I think it may be a broader pastiche than that because you kind of got your your Ingrid Bergman character too mm-hmm. in yeah. in Helen and I don't know this this is a very interesting start mm-hmm. and of course you know it's hard for me to discuss this book without kind of name checking the not necessarily the style but the structure of uh, Mike Mignola's Hellboy right the, I can see a little bit of that sure. Yeah, not necessarily something where it's a, oh, this is the same thing. But the the way we jump through time and the way the character plays on the page mm-hmm. definitely feels like that in the, in the best ways. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. something that feels like it comes out of a, a similar vein, which is good. I, I can certainly see that. The, the nice thing about Atomic Robo is even though it does, it's basically uh, a version of Indiana Jones, but for science, not for uh, archaeology, not for archaeology. And what's really cool is each um, each volume allows them to explore a different genre. Like, for example, oh, I know the last one that that just came out where they were fighting the giant kaiju monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, that was them taking on the Godzilla, um, you know, genre. Right. Uh, you know, they've done the World War Two um, fighting tiger in the Pacific uh, genre. They've done. Uh, Lovecraft, they've done, um, you know, pulp heroes in the form of uh, Jack Tarot. And here they're taking on essentially a Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, kind of thing Mm -hmm. mixed mixed with, um, you know, mixed with a little James Bond going on there as well. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Casablanca. Yeah, it's your it's your just pre-war, pre-America entering war uh, story. And so it's it's really kind of cool. And I love the fact that uh, Clevenger goes in and does a, a crap ton of research into this mm-hmm. um, because when I interviewed him probably around this time last year, when mm-hmm. the, the Kaiju book was just wrapping up or about to wrap up, uh, we talked, no, not even the Kaiju book. It was the, um, uh, the one where, and here's the weird part at the time that this story is taking place, atomic robo's head is sitting in a warehouse somewhere <laughs> because of time travel shenanigans. So yeah, he just finished up the old West um, uh, story and so we kind of talked a little bit about this and he does go into, you know, some historical fact. Now, I did not double check to see if uh, Dr. Liu, who they're after, was mm-hmm. an actual person or not. But um, a lot of this stuff is very historically accurate in times and places and in, in actual people that um, that they encounter. And he tries to pack as much truth into as much science into the science fiction as he possibly can, which I really, really appreciate. So um, it's pr- pretty neat. Yeah, it does give the whole thing a very solid sense of place and time, which sometimes isn't there when you're doing historicals in comics. I mean, mm-hmm. there, you know, there's the notorious story of uh, how Youngblood fought the the Izod Nazis. You know, there are things where you can stretch, you can cheat, you can cut corners, but they choose not to. Right. They, I mean, they really go in and they do the homework and line everything up, mm-hmm. and I think that really kind of gives it an additional layer. It makes it all feel very period authentic. It makes it feel like it's a really well told story mm-hmm. that actually does come out of that pre-war 1930s kind of, you know, great depression 
Two-Fisted Adventurer era. Yep, yep. And which is why it's doubly cool for me because I'm totally all over both of those. So you yeah. get your Atomic Robo and you throw in some Raiders uh, stuff, some Casablanca mm-hmm. stuff, and I'm like, oh, yes, all over the place. And, and you are all about Great Depressions. I am about a Great Depression. That is why, uh, <laughs> that's why uh, I roll over every time you get up from the couch. Oh, oh, snap. Oh, oh too mean. Ah. That, was, that was too mean. That was, <laughs> that was a jackass move, man. Hey, turnabout is fair play. The, the cool thing about <laughs> one of the cool things that I like about Atomic Robo mm-hmm. is the fact that, you know, Ato- uh, Robo has been around since, you know, the 1920s all the way through today. And yet here we are like a dozen volumes in a dozen dozen stories into the Atomic Robo um, universe and they can still tell stories because you jump back and forth in time. Kind of like what they're doing with Hellboy right now where, yeah, Hellboy may be dead and gone forever and his tales going forward are over. But we can go back and tell you a story that happened in Russia in 1952 if we want to. Right. Because we can tell those missing gaps and those missing pieces. Now, the problem is. Maybe not so much with with these guys, but at some point, if this continues for another 20 years, which I hope it does, if you're listening, Mr. Clevenger and Mr. Wegner. Mr. Uh, Clevenger. <laughs> That's a lovely dress there, Mr. Clevenger. They, they run the risk of uh, stepping on stories that have already been told, right? So they right. have to be really, really careful about, um, you know, the, the time frame that they're telling a story in. But You uh, do have to make sure lock down the times that you've already used right exactly so the other thing you were talking about the art which i really like the uh, other thing to keep in Mm -hmm. mind is that if you don't want to buy this comic book this is from idw publishing Mm -hmm. um you can read this story for free in fact you can read beyond where this first uh, story is because it has already been um released they i think they're about uh, three issues ahead of of this is what i want to say so you can go online and read this now over at atomic-robo.com. In a serialized uh, form. In a serialized form. It is full pages. Now, they used to do like half pages every mm-hmm. day, uh, but now they're up to, it looks like, full pages every day. And wow. uh, it looks like they are on, it doesn't say what page it is, uh, but they're well into uh, the story arc. Yeah. Um, they oh. are, let me see. What page? That's the chapter one cover. This one is, let me go back one. They're up to chapter three. Yeah. So they're up to issue three, almost to the end of issue three as mm-hmm. of this printing. So if you want to see some cool fighting with that, uh, that Japanese guy, <laughs> uh, then you want to check this out because, uh, but it was robo fighting. Oh yeah. And, and just even the last <laughs> splash page that they put in is super cool where it's the, the guy that's captured them in the desert is uh, just standing there all aflame with his cool suit. And he does kind of look like the Black Flame from uh, Hellboy. But uh, some really cool stuff in that. And so um, I guess mm-hmm. for me, yeah. you, you know, I'm never going to find – it's going to be very hard for me to find fault with Atomic Robo, right? Because it's something that yeah. I latched onto the very instant that I ever saw it. I've been a huge proponent of this uh, series since day one. Uh, and I think that if you're looking for some, you know – science fiction adventures then atomic robo is is the way to do it it's got humor it's got adventure we get a little jealousy in here because uh mm-hmm. his former girlfriend uh, is now hooked up with the king of the uh, shanghai underground 
The king of the Shanghai underground. It sounds like a wrestler. Yeah, yeah. So for me, this is just a big thumbs up and you can't go wrong with it. I I actually have to agree with you on this one. Okay, good. This is, I mean, this is an issue that's really solid. And again, a first issue has to do a little extra heavy lifting. A first issue has to not only give you a story, but it has to set a time and a place and it has to establish what you're dealing with. Even though we've seen Robo before, mm-hmm. this first issue has to let you know, uh, you being the theoretical first time reader, this is Robo's deal. This is what he's doing, yo. And, you know, put you into a place where it works as that first chapter. It works as an introduction and it also works as an individual story. And that's something that often you'll see in modern comics kind of falling apart. Mm-hmm. And I really like the fact that this feels like an individual, distinct, discrete chunk of story. This is something that it is a single issue you can read through. I imagine if you go and read it a page or a half page at a time on you know at atomicrobo.com, I think yeah. that it would also read interestingly. I think it would read well. And that's what makes this such an interesting kind of achievement is that it does its job well enough that you can look at this and go, yeah, this is a really, really well-crafted issue. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it's a fun story. Yeah, it totally is. So so go out and buy this this week. It's from IDW Publishing or just head over to Atomic-Robo.com and read it there. Um, though, uh, if you want to support the creators, they have a Patreon page. If, but uh, anytime you want to support a comic and let publishers know that you want more of it, you definitely need to go out and buy this from IDW. Because mm-hmm. that's how they know. I mean, they really have an interesting deal. And we've talked about it before with with uh, Brian in that um, they really are in a unique position because they do have a Patreon. They do have the website. And so it's essentially free. But then they're right. also you know, selling it in a print form for people. And they finished mm-hmm. up a Kickstarter, I want to say uh, a year ago maybe, where you could get, you know, hard printed volumes of this in bulk, which I which I supported that as well. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it's really from the publisher standpoint, from IDW standpoint, and certainly from potentially anybody who might want to turn this into something bigger than just a comic strip or a web comic. He uh, said hinting broadly. Yeah. Yeah. Then you definitely need to show the publisher that it's popular, which then shows a lot of other people, people that it's popular. So, right. And I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of buying the comic, even if you've read it in chunks, mm-hmm. which is what I've been doing, um, Mark Wade, what is it? Empire at Thrillbent. Right. I'll read it, you know, the bits and pieces at a time. But when that issue comes out, I do buy. Mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been buying the digital copy, but I do buy because it's an entertaining enough story that you want to make sure that they have the wherewithal to continue it. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, everybody. Uh, next week from uh, Dark Horse Comics, we have Abe Sapien number 36, Aliens mm. Defiance number four, Children of Lovecraft, the trade paperback there. Uh, and, then, uh, and then this crazy crossover, Predator versus Judge Dredd versus Aliens, number two, issue number two. <laughs> versus My Little Pony. And then World of Tanks, which I thought was uh, previously published by another publisher. That's a Garth Ennis story. Was that, mm-hmm. unless this is a new series, I could have swore that was like a Dynamite or somebody before. So, uh, But Dark Horse has got it now, World of Tanks, number one from um, uh, Garth Ennis. Uh, DC mm-hmm. Comics has Arrow, the Dark Archer trade paperback. Um, let's see. We've got the Gotham Academy annual number one future quest. Number four. That's what you'll be all into next week. Matthew, uh, justice league of America. Number nine. 
Superman and the Justice League of America trade paperback. A lot of trade paperbacks, but this is still relatively early in the week. Next week is a fifth week. Right. Uh, so there may be a slight smaller offering from everyone. Uh, IDW Publishing has Jim and the Holograms number 18. Mm. Uh, Micronauts number five. Uh, Mike Mignola's Screw on Head and Curious Objects Artist Edition. Holy crap. That's a Please Inquire one, but that is a mm. fantastic collection of Mignola uh, stories that are not necessarily Hellboy stories. Certainly right. worth checking out. And they did turn that screw on head into an animated one off yeah. on like Cartoon Network or Sci Fi Channel or something years ago. But to get yeah, this like artist edition stuff, definitely worth checking out. You also have the uh, TMNT Universe number one and X Files Origins number one. That should be interesting. TMNT Image Comics Universe. has the Dream Police number 11. They're inside of your head. I hear they're coming after you. No, wait. Saga number 37, Spawn 265, and Tokyo Ghost number 10. Over at Marvel Comics, there is the amazing Spider-Man number 17, BDNM. I don't know what that is, but that sounds like a kink uh, of somebody's No, pleasure. no, no. You're thinking of something else. Am I? Okay. Carnage yeah. number 11, Civil War 2, Choosing Sides number 5 of 6. Where's the uh, Civil War 2 uh, Frontline series? I think Choosing Sides is the, the Frontline. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, they haven't been doing Frontline per se. I see. Yeah. Uh, what's How long has that Frontline been in the Marvel Universe? I want to say that the first Frontline came about in the original Civil War in 06. That's interesting because um, just recently over at our uh, YouTube channel, Major Spoilers Video, youtube.com slash Major Spoilers Video, mm-hmm. I did a review on this um, Spider-Man Ghost Rider team up where they're taking on Hobgoblin. Mm-hmm. And it takes place at the corner of uh, Bleecker Street and Second Avenue, I think. Um, oh, it's right but, by Doctor Strange's house. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because there was just a Doctor Strange set also released uh, at the oh. same time, which I reviewed and put up this week. So people can go check that out. But, Synergy. But one of the cool things that I noticed when I was putting together the, the Spider-Man set was that mm-hmm. it had these little, you know, the little uh, newspaper dispensaries. And one of them was for the Daily Bugle. The mm-hmm. other one was for Frontline. And I oh, thought that that cool. was a really cool little touch. Now, if I would have known about the Doctor Strange connection, I could have uh, added that into the uh, stuff. But uh, there you go. And of course, in New York, every Marvel comic is within a block of every other Marvel comic. I'm pretty sure that <laughs> I, they've they've uh, set that, that down. I, I'm pretty I, sure it is. I think that New York is is even in Marvel Comics a little bit bigger. No, than that. I don't think so. Guardians it's of the Galaxy bit. number eleven comes out next week, as does Howard the Duck number ten. Are you still reading that? I'm way behind, but yes. Okay. Uh, Rocket Raccoon and Groot number eight. That's a CW two. That's Are the lesser Groot? known CW network. A CW two. Yeah. Uh, you also have a bunch of Spider-Man's tie-in stuff. You've got the Spider-Gwens, number 11, the Spider-Men's, number 7, the Spider-Men's, number 2099, number 14. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Spider-Man Deadpool trade paperback, volume 1, Isn't It Romantic? Isn't it romantic? Deadpool versus Gambit, number 4 of 5, comes out next week as well. All you Deadpool Gambit fans. And then uh, Thunderbolts number four and X-Men 92 number six all come out next week. In all the rest category, ooh, cannot wait for this. Afterlife with Archie number 10. Wow. Yeah. 
let's see. We've got uh, Art of Big Dog Ink Trade Paperback Volume 2, Bloodshot Reborn number 16, uh, Brickleberry number 2. I think you're a fan of that. Um, I'm not sure what that is. Let's say yes. Okay. It's kind of like you cross your um, raspberries with your um, peanut brittle. Your bricks. Yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense. Yes. Uh, Hench Girl number 10. And James sure. Bond at number nine. She's a girl that's made of hench. Uh, N- Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number six. Mighty Zodiac number five of six. The Paybacks number two. Princeless, the Raven Pirate Princess number 10. Rick and yeah. Morty number 17. That's coming out from, uh, is that Oni Press, I believe. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. Uh, Tomboy number seven, Vamp Blade number seven, Vikings number four, XO Man of War number 49. Oh, Matthew, they're about to hit the magic 50. XO. And if I'm not mistaken, which is the one that they just did a one millionth printing on and they sealed it up? It was something from Valiant. It may um, be XO. But they was hit- it XO or was it Rye? No, it would definitely be XO because it wasn't it wasn't that one. It was either that or Bloodshot. Maybe it was Bloodshot because Bloodshot and Rye are kind of the same thing. And then, of course, if you need your naked zombie uh, hookers, there is Zombie Tramp ongoing number 26 from Action Lab Danger Zone. That's what's coming out. Part of what's coming out next week from uh, all of your publishers. Of course, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can check out the full list. Monday afternoon, and then if you're wondering what to pick up, bright and early Wednesday morning, we release the Major Spoilers staff picks, where many of the Major Spoilers uh, members sit down and they tell you what they're looking forward to this week and why you should be as well. Next week on Dueling Review. All new Wolverine Annual Number One, written by Tom Taylor, penciled by Marcio Takara. An all new story featuring your favorite surviving claw popping characters. All new Wolverine and Spider Gwen equals the all new Wolvergren and Spiderine. Gabby, the world's most dangerous little sister, plus Jonathan the Wolverine! Exclamation points! Loud noises! You can show your support for this show and everything we do at Major Spoilers by becoming a very important patron. By signing up at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Your contribution allows us to keep this show going, pay for our growing costs, and gives us the motivation to produce more shows for you each and every week. Thank you so much for checking out Dueling Review, and we will talk with you next time when you will hear Matthew say, Two, two, two mints in one. This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.